Thanks, Pastor Dustin. I don't even have to preach now. Good morning. While the uh, baskets are going around, I'll go ahead and get started. Uh, For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet yet, I'm Pastor Chad. I am the associate pastor here at the church. And uh, Pastor Sheldon asked me to speak this morning. And uh, over the last couple weeks, Pastor has been uh, speaking on sin. This this series that we are in the middle of is called Sin. Um, it, It was really quite funny because Pastor and I were sitting down several weeks ago talking about this particular series and and uh i maybe pride isn't the right word but i pride myself in being creative and coming up with you know you know i think are funny ideas and neat ideas and and we were sitting there talking and we couldn't come up with anything other than sin as the title of this series now Just to explain and and illustrate that Pastor is even more creative than I am, the very first week, uh, Pastor spoke on sin. He talked about the slippery slope of sin. And if you were here, you guys remember that. And he had the illustration on the board about how uh, how, uh, if we allow our heads, if our, our, our minds to be darkened, it affects our hearts. And the results of a darkened mind and a darkened heart is also that our actions will prove what's going on on the inside. And how that slippery slope from our mind to our heart to our actions will often lead us even further into sin and how we need to protect our mind and how God can transform our minds. And that was a powerful time. And then last week, Pastor talked about uh, being a slave to sin and how before Christ has come into our lives, we are chained to sin. It is because that is our natural way of living, that we, are, we give in to our sinful nature because that is how we are. But once Christ has come into our lives, he has cut off that old way of living, and now we have a new life in Christ. The thing that he said, the clincher that he said last week, is that we, as Christians, can choose to sin or we can choose to follow in righteousness. And um, so this week is my turn, and I have no S's in my title. None. I mean, slippery slope of sin, slavery to sin, and then there's me. And I got nothing. So today I want to talk to you about Abraham's two sons. Oh, hey, there's an S. Sons. Hey, I did it. All right. So today I want to talk to you about Abraham's two sons. How many of you have ever been in a situation where, um, where you knew what needed to happen, but you just had a hard time waiting for it to happen? Okay. How many of you are, are not originally from Watford? You lived in a metro area prior to living in Watford City. Okay. Okay. Um, my wife and I have had the privilege of living in some bigger communities, metropolitan areas. We lived in Phoenix for several years. We lived in Chicago for several years. Um, Phoenix had one of these really cool things called the HOV lane. It's from God. <laughs> HOV, high occupancy vehicles. And here was, here was the whole idea of this is that there's all the bypasses going around Phoenix metro area. And 
everyone drives really, really fast in Phoenix. But then there is the HOV lane where everyone drives even faster because you want to get there two minutes before everyone else does. And there were rules to it. You had to get on in a certain, well, you had to get in, uh, you had to have more than uh, one person in the vehicle. You had to have at least two people in the vehicle. And one of the things that I, <laughs> I found very, very funny was in L.A., just six hours west of us, there's the HOV lanes, and there were people who bought inflatable dolls and stuck them in the passenger seats so that they could get in the HOV lane and fake their way through the HOV lane. One of the things that I enjoyed about the HOV lane was that you could get there just a little bit faster than if you were stuck with all the normal people. But one of the things that I've realized in my spiritual life is that we can't take the express lanes to God's promises. God wants us to go through, to, to, to follow him through the situations of our life, through the journey of our life, so that we learn, so that we understand, so that we grow, so that we rely. But many times we try to take the express lane and go around the things that we don't think we want to deal with or face. Today, I, I want to talk to you about Abraham's two sons. And uh, normally my notes are about a page, page and a half. And today's notes are five. So, 11.32. Sweet. So here we go. I want to start off in Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. If you have your Bibles... On your electronic device, go ahead, turn there. If you have what I affectionately refer to as the Bible classic, go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22 and 23. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, so if it sounds just a little bit different from yours, that will explain why. Galatians chapter 4, verse 22, 23. The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Now I want to make sure that I explain this just, just so that we're all clear. If you look at the verses leading up before this and the verses after this, God, Paul is, is using... Um, the the uh, analogy of, of Abraham's two sons in, in reflection of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But what some, something that stood out right here in the middle of this was this very important statement in verses 23, or in verse 23, is that the, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt, and the son of the free wife was born out of God's fulfillment. Abraham's two sons. Abraham's two sons. How many times have we tried to fulfill what we feel God is wanting to do? How many times have we tried to do it on our own? Trying to do the right thing on our own. Trying to make the right choice on our own. Trying to avoid things on our own. Trying to, to be good enough on our own. Trying to be the best husband on our own. The best wife on our own. Trying to, on our own. That's what I'd like to talk to you today about. The sin of trying to do it 
on our own. Now let's back up. In order to understand this whole situation, and this is why there's five pages of notes, is because we have to understand Abraham and the situation that he is in. So if you go all the way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start the story of Abraham And I'll try and do this as quickly as I can. If you're taking notes, you can write down these verses. I I encourage you to take a look at this stuff throughout the week. There's going to be a lot of verses that I cover today. Over the course of this week, take a look at these and, and really investigate and find out what God is trying to communicate. But the very first thing that we have to realize is the promise that God gave. And that's in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What an amazing statement God makes to Abraham. He's, pardon me, he's Abram at this point. You can read this week about how he becomes Abraham. But he is called exalted father, Abram, in this passage. And so just think about this for a moment. His name means father. God tells him he's going to be the father of a great nation. And in fact, the whole world is going to be blessed through him. But he's 70 years old and has no kids. Genesis, now flip a couple pages. Genesis 15, 2 through 6. This is a repeat of what God says. It's a reminder. God is reminding Abram. We don't know how many years this is between these two promises. But listen to this. In in chapter 15, verse 2 through 6. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Elizer, let's just go with that, of Damascus, a servant in my household will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up to the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Wow, can you, can you imagine that for just a moment? What an incredible promise that God has for Abram. What an incredible, uh, just think about this. Now, in their society, in their time, at the, the time that this is recorded, in their society, having children was a, an evidence of God's blessing on your life. The more children, the greater God's blessing was. Even greater was when your son, when your firstborn was a son, then, then you were really special to God. And so in their society, at their time, in their mindset, When they looked at Abram and his wife Sarai, they saw no children. Abram looked at himself and his wife. Sarah looked at herself and said, yeah, yeah, we're really, really blessed by God. Look at all of our blessings. No kids. 
And so the, the mindset that, is, is that they're dealing with, just imagine how difficult this must have been for them. God's made a promise, and, and Abram is still arguing. He says, yeah, this is great, God. Thank you so much for your blessings, but what good is it? How, how difficult this must have been. And now flip again a couple more pages to chapter 17, verses 4 through 8. God's talking again. He says, this is my covenant with you. I'll make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It'll no longer be Abram. Instead, you'll be called Abraham, which means father of multiple nations. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become uh, many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is an everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you, are, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants, and it'll be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Now let's just pause there for a moment. This is a, a messianic prophecy made right here. In other words, God is declaring to Abraham that your descendant will eventually be the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and his rule will be eternal as one of your children. Interesting. Jump down to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. For now on her name, from now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Now jump down to chapter 18, verse 10 through 14. Now listen, they have no kids yet. And repeatedly, God has been saying, you're going to be the father of nations. And now we sing, Father Abraham, have many sons. Okay, we're not there yet. <laughs> Chapter 18, verse 10 through 14. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. Uh, uh, hold on just a moment. Let me explain who he's talking to. Abraham and Sarah were, were having a picnic outside their tent one day, and three people show up. And the scripture declares one of them as Lord with an uppercase L. And this was the Son of God. This was Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. The Son of God. And he talks to Abraham. So this is, this is deep stuff, guys. You're going to have to take a look at this this week. One of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such a pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Can you imagine that moment? That's a capital L right there, if you look in your scripture. That, that's God. Can you imagine trying to answer to that one? Why did your wife just laugh at me? Ooh. Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. 
amazing promises that God makes, and he restates over and over to Abraham and Sarah. Can you imagine the excitement they must have felt when they first heard that promise? When Abraham was was 70 and Sarah was a young 60? Now, in that time, at that time, we have to understand that as you read through the Old Testament, especially in Genesis, people lived a long time. A long, several hundred years, in fact. So, so Abraham at 70 and Sarah at 60, they were not beyond the age of having children. So can you imagine the excitement? Because they hadn't had any children yet. And God tells them they're going to have a baby. Can you imagine how exciting that must have been for them who had been trying for many years to have children of their own? And God finally promises. And they're like, oh, yes. Man, I can't wait. Abraham's like, okay, I'm going to get the baseball glove ready. Okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to start buying the crib. I'm going to get, start getting the stuff. And then a few years pass. No children, no child. Now they're kind of, you know, they've kind of pushed the, the stroller off to the side because they got to make room for other things because still no children yet. Maybe these onesies are out of date now. Maybe they should get something else. Years have passed. Still no children. Can you imagine how difficult that must have been for them? When we look and jump to chapter 21, here's the cool part. Verses 1 and 2, chapter 21. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened just at just the time God said it would. If you don't have that last statement underlined, highlighted, pointed at in your scripture, in your Bible, do that. So the fulfillment happens and we're so excited and, and we get to see this and we look at this and we read over the course of these uh, nine chapters uh, from the very first promise until it's fulfilled. And we sit down in 10 minutes and we look at this amazing time in their lives, and we're just like, yes, the promise, the fulfillment, this is so exciting. But we don't understand that from the promise to the fulfillment was 30 years. It was 30 years from when God first said to Abram and Sarai that you will have a child, you will be the father of many nations. You and your children's children and your children's children's children. It's, it, it, the stars in the sky don't even have an accurate number for you to understand how many children you're going to have. 30 years. Can you imagine what they must have thought at the beginning? Man, we're going to have to get a bigger tent. We're going to need a really big tent. And then 30 years later, when it is now beyond the point of them being able to physically produce a child, God fulfills at just the time. 
It's amazing. It's exciting for us. But can you now back up and start thinking about the emotions that that must have been? The 30 years that it took. Because we do read that there is a problem. Look at Genesis. Pardon me, I already said that part. Here's the truth that I want us to understand before we move on. God will fulfill his promises in such a way that we cannot deny that it was he who completed it. Abraham was 100 years old, Sarah was 90 years old, and they had a little baby boy. And it wasn't because their bodies were able to do it. But God made them be able to do that. God was the one who helped fulfill the promise. Now the problem, if we look at Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. This was already several years after the very first promise. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar, So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to her husband as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began or pardon me, when, uh, yes, when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she, being uh, Sarah, began to mistreat, or began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. In other words, when Hagar got pregnant, all of a sudden there was tension. Now, could we just pause here for a moment and put in parentheses in your notes, can we all agree this was a bad idea? Husbands, don't ever fall for this one. (laughs) What were they thinking? Why in the world would Sarah suggest this? And why in the world would Abraham agree? Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Now let's pause for just a moment. Because in that time, in that society, when a wife couldn't have children, this was a common practice. A servant uh, slave woman would be married to the, the father, the husband, sorry, And they would have children, and those children would then be assumed to be the children of the wife. And they would not be the slaves. In that society, this was common practice. In our society, that is wrong. We can all agree this was probably a bad idea. Why in the world would they go through this? What we don't understand or what isn't well uh, worded for us here is that it was 16 years after the initial promise in chapter 12. 16 years have passed. 
Can you imagine what Sarah and Abraham's emotional state must have been? Can you imagine how difficult, how, how much they had yearned for a child, how they had dreamed, how they had planned, how they had the name picked out, how they had the, the, the initials painted on the side of the tent in the little baby's room? Can you imagine? Maybe some of you have gone through heart-wrenching times where you know the promises that God has for you. And it's difficult, and it's hard, and it seems like it's never going to happen. Maybe, just maybe, maybe we can relate to Abraham and Sarah. Scripture says that you should train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart from it. And yet we have children who have turned away from God and walked away from the church. God says that he will never leave us or forsake us, and yet there are times where we feel so isolated and alone. God says to give your tithe to the storehouse and see how he will pour out his blessings from heaven, yet we are living paycheck to paycheck, and we are in credit debt, and we see no way of providing for our families, and we're struggling. Is it really that hard to imagine why Sarah and Abraham would try and take the express lane to the promise? Because I'm guessing that many of us have tried to do the same thing. Take the express lane, I mean, not the servant wife thing. I think all of us have been in situations where we are, we are struggling, where, we are, where, where we're so tired, where we, we have heard God's promises, we've read God's promises, but we're not seeing it happen yet. And we try and take the express lane. When we try and take the express lane there are consequences. Take a look at, the, if we continue in, in chapter 16, starting at verse 4. We read that Abraham had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she is pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Abraham replied, look, she's your servant, so you deal with it as you see fit. Then Sarah treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. In my notes here, I have two words. Well, duh, There are immediate results when we try and take the express lane around the situations to uh, try to achieve God's promises on our, on our own. There are immediate re- uh, consequences. I say this all the time. I have said this to teenagers for years. I've said it to my own son for years. There are consequences for every choice. You make good choices, there are good consequences. You make bad choices, there are bad consequences. 
There are immediate consequences for the choices we make. Look at what happened to the relationship between Abraham and Sarah. When they, together, tried to bypass God's time and achieve it on their own. Immediately, there was tensions in that marriage. Ooh, I could say so. Immediately, there are, there are consequences to our choices that affect our relationships. Those closest to us and those around within our areas of influence. When we try to bypass God's time, it is going to affect the relationships of the people around us. Immediately there was tension. Immediately there was problems. Can you imagine? <laughs> and it's, it's, it says right there that both of them are like, well, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. You did it. No, you did this. Can we just understand something here? That Abraham and Sarah were promised together to have a child. In their marriage... There was a promise for them. And because they chose to try to bypass, they had consequences. We don't have to imagine this tension very... We don't have to go very far to imagine how this situation must have been in in that tent that night or in the time to come. Our choices not only affect us, but they affect the people around us. So not only was there immediate results, but there was intermediate results. If you read, I'm not going to read it because it's the next five chapters, but Genesis 16 all the way through 21, it says that Ishmael, Hagar had a child. His name was Ishmael. They continued to live with Abraham and Sarah. For 14 years, they lived with them. Not only was there immediate tension, immediate consequences to the choices that they made to try and bypass God's time, but then there was a a longer term, an intermediate. And for 14 years, can you imagine for 14 years waking up every single day being reminded of a choice that you made? I I think probably some of us have that where the consequences of a choice that we made years ago is still with us today. And it hurts sometimes. It hurts. Every day for 14 years, Abraham would wake up and he'd, oh man, Ishmael. Every day, Sarah would go into the kitchen, pull out her two bowls, and Hagar would walk in and pull out her two bowls. Ishmael. For 14 years, they were reminded of their attempt to fulfill God's promise in their own way. So not only was there immediate, not only was there intermediate, but there was also long-term results. In chapter 21, I want to, this is an extensive passage, I want to read it all so that we understand what's going on. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, now this is after the promised child has finally arrived to Sarah. Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned. Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion, but Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant, Hagar, making fun of her son, Isaac. 
So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share in the inheritance of my son, Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, strapped them on Hagar's shoulders, and then he sent them sent her away with her son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch my boy die. Pardon me, the boy die, she said as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying. The angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do, do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him, comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. Interesting statement made here. God himself says, this is Abraham's son. I will still make a great nation out of him, although he is not included as Abraham's descendants. I will still make a great nation out of him. Jump back to chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It says, as for Ishmael, this is God speaking, I will also bless him. Just as you have asked, I will make him extremely fruitful, multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princesses, princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. Something that we have to understand about Abraham's two sons, Ishmael, the first from the slave. Ishmael's descendants are still with us today just as Abraham's children are. The people of Israel are Abraham's descendants. The Jew, the people of the surrounding countries are the descendants of Ishmael. And since the birth of the two sons, they will always, they have been in conflict. And they are still in conflict thousands of years later. And we saw the results of that this week in Paris. Our, our choices have consequences, some of which could last for years. Abraham and Sarah tried to bypass God's timeline, and to this day we are still dealing with those choices. My question to you is this. What is the Ishmael in your life? God has an Isaac for every single one of us. God has a promise for every single one of us. God has purpose and plans for your life. It is spelled out in scripture over and over and over and over. And just like God reminded Abraham over and over and over, I have a plan and purpose and hope for your life. 
just as much as he does for you, just as much as he does for me. We all have Isaac promises in our lives. But my question for you is this, what is your Ishmael today? What is it that you have done, choices you have made, trying to fulfill on your own strength what ultimately should have been God's? What is it that you've tried to do in your own? What is it that even years later reminds you of your choices? Here's what I know from Scripture. Your Ishmael can be redeemed by Christ. Let me say that again. Your Ishmael can be redeemed by Christ. I am here today, you are here today, as a result of an Ishmael being redeemed. Because none of us, let me just be careful on how big I state that. There are very few of us here in this place who are Jewish descent. We are all Ishmaels. And we, by the power of Jesus Christ, have been adopted into the family and line of Abraham. And we, as children of Christ, as children of God, get to receive the inheritance and the blessings that were given to Abraham and have been passed down through generations and are available to us today through the power and the work of Jesus Christ. Your Ishmael can be redeemed by Christ. Your choices of your past can be redeemed by the power of Christ. The struggles, the pain, the, 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 the hardships, the, the difficulties, the lack of strength, all can be redeemed by Christ. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that God uses everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his, to his purpose for them. Let me just pause there. I want to back up for just a moment. This verse often gets misquoted. Everything works together for good. That's not what it says. Everything can work together for good for those who have God as the center of their lives. In other words, God can use every situation, every pain, every scar, every poor choice, God can use those to help you become the person who he wants you to be. Yes, we are still going to have to deal with consequences. But God can use those choices, those pains of our past, those situations, and he can redeem them so that we can minister, so we can meet people's needs who may have been in similar situations that we are, have been in. God can redeem your Ishmael. Your Ishmael moments, your Ishmael choices can be redeemed. Even though the consequences may be painful at first, Christ can use them for his glory if we turn them over to him. I believe that even though there is still conflict between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac, I still believe that Ishmael's descendants can still be redeemed.
I truly believe that Christ died for them just as much as he did for me. And although there is still conflict, I believe some of the greatest advancers of Christ will be the children of, it, of Ishmael because they have realized who the Messiah is. Do you realize who the Messiah is? Do you understand that, that Jesus Christ died for you? Do you realize that God has laid out plans and purpose and destiny and hope for your life? Maybe you've heard the promises and you're so tired today and you're trying to do everything on your own. God will fulfill at just the right time. God will bring about his promises at the right time. Even though Abraham and Sarah tried to bypass God's time, it still says in Scripture that Abraham and Sarah's faith was credited to them as righteousness. Have you tried to make things happen outside of God's help? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a moment? I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes not because of anything magical, mystical. It's just this is a private moment. This is a time for us to consider what Scripture has said and where we are at and how we need to align ourselves with what God wants. Have you tried to make things happen outside of God's help? Have you been trying to do it on your own? Friend, you're here today and Maybe you walked into this place and you don't know why. Maybe you've been, been investigating this whole church thing, this whole religion thing. You're here this morning and you realize that Christ loves you. Friend, I want you to know this, that Christ did what he did on the cross for you. He died so that you don't have to, give, have to be uh, under the pain, under the guilt of sin that you can have a free life in Christ, a new life in Christ. God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son to die so that we, you and I, could have eternal, everlasting life through Jesus Christ. Friend, you're here this morning. You want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just simply raise your hand? I'd like to pray with you. Just raise it high enough so that I can see. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Anyone else? If you have your hand up, I've seen it. You can put it down. Anyone else? Then before we do anything else, I want to, I would like us to pray together. And maybe you didn't want to raise your hand, but you still want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I'd like for all of us to pray a prayer together. There's nothing special about this prayer. It's not a formula. It is simply praying. It is simply talking to God from our heart. 
And so I'd like for us to pray together this prayer. And especially if you want to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, would you think about what you're saying? Consider what you're saying as you say it. But would you pray with me, everyone, together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me. Despite my past, despite my choices, I ask you to forgive me, take away my sin, my disobedience. Forgive me, Lord. I ask you, Jesus, to be the leader of my life, to save me today from my old way of living. Give me new life. I commit myself to follow you. Amen. Friends, in Luke chapter 15, it talks, Jesus tells some stories, and he says when, over the course of these stories, he talks about how when the lost has been found, there is a party, there's a celebration. And friend, whether you raised your hand or not, whether that was the first time or the thousandth time that you prayed that prayer, if you meant it from your heart and you're coming back to Christ, then there is a party going on for you. Heaven is celebrating you right now. And friend, I want you to know this is not the the end. This is the beginning. And God has so much more in store for you. Now, I also want to talk to you. Consider this for just a moment. Abraham and Sarah had been followers of God before all of this happened. Yet in the middle of them following God and pursuing after his promises, they made choices. Every single one of us have to understand that we could be in the exact same situation. There are promises that God has for us, but if we try to bypass, if we try to take the express lane around God's time, the consequences can be painful. Maybe you've experienced that, and friend, I want you to know this. God can use your past pain and scars as ministry today. God can use the hurts and he can can redeem them when we turn them over to Christ. Friend, I have to ask, what is your Ishmael today? What is it that you have been trying to do on your own? What do you need to turn over to God today and say, God, not my time, but your time. Not my strength, Lord, but your strength. Maybe we need to take just a moment and talk to God about his, about our Ishmael. Would you bow your heads with me one more time? Father, your plans, your purposes are so great. They're much greater than we can even imagine. God, we can't, we can't seem to really grasp all that you have for us. And Lord, I know that you have great plans and desires for our lives. I know, God, that you have, you've revealed promises to me. And God, I, I get so excited. I, get, I look forward to these promises, and sometimes it seems like it's, it's not happening, and, and, and I try to do more, and I try to be better, and I try to, I try to do it on my own, Lord. Forgive me. God, forgive me. Forgive us, Lord when we try and step out of your will, step around your will, God, forgive us. Lord, I ask that you would be in the middle of all of our situations, all of our relationship 
uh, our marriages, our workplace relationships. God, would you be in the middle of our finances? God, would you be in the middle of this situation in our economy? God, would you be in the middle of this situation in our country? God, would you be in the middle of this situation in our globe? God, there are people that are hurting today because they have not realized your love for them. God, I realize your love for me. And I realize I can't do it myself. I need your help. So God, would you help us? God, would you give us the strength? God, would you give us the faith to hold on to the promises that regardless of how long it takes, it's going to happen just at the time where you have set. At just the right time, you will fulfill your promise. And God, we look forward to our, the promises being fulfilled. We look forward to that day celebrating what you have for us. But until that time comes, God, we will, we will patiently, we will expectantly look forward to what you are going to do. God, help us. Help us, Lord. Take our Ishmael moments and use them for your glory. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, as, as a last challenge, I'd like to encourage you, read through these chapters, Genesis 12 through 21. Just take a look at some of the situations that they were dealing with and don't be so quick to, to uh, discount Abraham and Sarah because we might be in similar situations and maybe we can learn and be encouraged from their lives. Love you, church. Have an awesome week. Be blessed by God.